Ralph Waldo Emerson said, Nothing is at last sacred but the integrity of your own mind. To me, religion, in its simplest definition, explains the reason for creation and our place in it. Spirituality is how we express those views. Somewhere in each of our pasts, we realized that we were no longer at peace spiritually. Our religious views had changed, and maybe it happened slowly or maybe all at once with some crises, but our personal views on the great questions changed. We then took a great fork in our individual spiritual journeys. Something you read, a major life event, a person, even a song could have profoundly jolted you. What you believed about life and death changed that moment. Maybe some of you can remember that moment or what occurred, but many of us, for many of us, it slowly just dawned on us that the way we viewed the great questions was altered And in fact, now many of us are still in the process of changing. Every one of you in the pews today has made a choice to be here. Almost all of you know something about Unitary Universalism. Whether you found us by word of mouth, dedicated research, or happenstance, you have opted to be here in the gray area of Unitarian Universalism instead of the certain area of mainline religious traditions. What do I mean by the gray area of Unitarian Universalism? We have no fixed answers except a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. The search is what you have to be comfortable with. It is the gray area. To be comfortable here, you have had to discard, challenge, or not believe some long-held or learned beliefs. What made you challenge them? Why did you discard them? What made you leave your previous religious denomination? If you came here from the vast crowd of the unchurched, why are you here? As Chuck mentioned, I officially became a Unitarian Universalist about 23 years ago. But I was a Unitarian Universalist a lot longer than that. Like many of you, I was a wanderer in search of a home until I walked through a Unitarian Universalist church door. Now, uh, the Judeo-Christian Bible has been in existence for roughly 2,000 years. The Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, for longer, since at least the third century before the Common Era. Assuming you were born into a Jewish or Christian group in earlier times, the oral history, the lore, the storytelling of those times enriched people's lives. 
But the Bible, the Bible, was the sole source of spiritual guidance. And you had to go to church for that access. The Bible was studied, interpreted, and told to the masses through its first 1,500 years or so until the invention of the printing press in the late 1440s helped to usher in the Reformation that began early in about 1517. We all know that sacred texts were the first books to be printed. Remember the Gutenberg Bible? During the Reformation, the masses really became involved with thinking about religious issues and questioning them. Certainly, religious scholars before that time had access to texts and their accompanying commentary, but not until the printing press and the rise of the merchant class with literacy did enough regular people have access to the written words and sacred scripture to begin questioning them. Thus began the history of choice. In other words, heresy involving religious doctrine. The Enlightenment followed closely, beginning in the mid-1600s through the 1700s. Intellectual and cultural forces in Western Europe stressed reason, analysis, and individual thought in contrast to the traditional hierarchical views. New ideas and beliefs spread through Europe and were aided by an increase in literacy. If you read a history of Unitarian Universalism, you will learn that we claim to have roots as far back as the Apostolic Age. That's when the Gospels were being enacted. Um, but we did not really begin to establish many churches until the late 1500s to the mid-1600s. And this coincided with the dissemination of written sacred texts via the printing press. The greatest proliferation of Unitarian churches um, until the modern age was formed late in the 1600s in Europe, and it coincided with these tumultuous times. Now, in this modern age, there are many ways to disperse ideas, not just through the written word. We are currently awash in a multitude of ideas, stories, music, and cultural stimulation. Each of us has a unique repository of ideas and thoughts that contribute to our worldview and our religious outlook. So not only do we have many different ideas coming at us, but they are also coming at us from many different avenues. Not just books, but also through television, radio, movies, the arts, internet, travel, your friends. Our Unitarian Universalist purposes state this very clearly, and our underlying theology, theology embraces this. The living tradition, which we all share, draws from many sources, and we all know this, the direct experience of the transisting, 
transcending mystery and wonder, affirmed in all cultures, which moves us to renewal of the spirit and an openness to the forces which we create life and uphold it. Words and deeds of prophetic women and men, which challenge us to confront powers and structures of evil with justice, compassion, and the transforming power of love. Wisdom. We draw from wisdom from the world's religions, which inspire us in our ethical and spiritual life. The Jewish and Christian teachings, which call us to respond to God's love by loving our neighbors as ourselves. Humanist teachings, which counsel us to heed the guidance of reason and the results of science and warn us against idolatries of the mind and spirit. Spiritual teachings of earth-centered traditions which celebrate the sacred circle of life and instruct us to live in harmony and the rhythms of nature. That's straight from your hymnal. Our religious tradition is not based exclusively on any one spiritual source, but is formed from the spiritual teachings from all over the world. We believe that each and every one of us is capable of, quote, a free and responsible search for truth and meaning, and we affirm that search and we promote it. Furthermore, we are, again, quotes, grateful for the religious pluralism which enriches and ennobles our faith. We are inspired to deepen our understanding and expand our vision, end quote. So how do we affirm and promote that search? How do we deepen our understanding and expand our vision? Is there anyone here who is not aware of Superman? It's a cartoon character. We all know it. And you saw those kids down there, even at three, had some awareness of Superman. Michael Straczynski says about Superman, for a lot of people, Superman is and has always been America's hero. He stands for what we believe is the best within us. Limitless strength, tempered by compassion, that can bear adversity and emerge stronger on the other side. He stands for what we all feel we would like to be able to stand for, when standing is hardest. Superman, like the kid said, puts the needs of others over those of himself, and he never gives up. He has been a part of the American landscape since the 1930s. Do you remember when you first became aware of Superman? Where did you first see him? In the comics or on TV? We have so many ideas that go into our religious and moral outlook that often we overlook some of the more common cultural ideas that we share. Here with Superman is an example of a widely known ideal that we all dismiss as entertainment. Yet have you thought to what degree you might be affected by this ideal, by this example of heroism and selflessness? Maybe if you are a Superman fanatic, you might be able to recognize the influence. 
But as you can see with the children, we have these unconscious influences, many of which were formed in early childhood. They can be quite profound, like the ideal of selflessness represented by Superman. What others like this might be found in your mind and your religious viewpoint? You are here because you read or heard or thought about what made you discard or change your thinking on one of the big questions. Why am I here? What is the meaning of life? What is the nature of sin? What happens when we die? Why do awful things happen to good people? Is there a God? There was a catalyst that provoked you and got you thinking about religious ideas. And eventually, you employed critical thinking, and it inspired you to cross our threshold. In the mid to late 1970s, in a Unitarian church called First Unitarian Church of Rochester in New York, an adult religious education program was born. And I have a book here. It is called, we all know this book, Building Your Own Theology, and it's offered by Richard Gilbert. Since that time, it has been offered in most Unitarian Universalist churches. In ours, we have offered it multiple times, probably around every five years or so. In the program, a a participant learns to identify and construct their own personal theology systematically and coherently. Thinking about what you believe and why you believe it helps you on your spiritual journey. And it also helps to prepare you for your next spiritual challenge. And many times you can also comfort someone else in their own spiritual distress by being aware of the various ways people view the great questions. Often, when people are rocked to their core by major life events, they do not have a fully formed and thought-out spiritual viewpoint to comfort them. Knowing where you are spiritually and being able to articulate it is a profound accomplishment and an accomplishment that you can rely on in your times of stress. In every religious tradition that I've encountered, there are spiritual practices. A spiritual practice is an activity that is done for the purpose of fostering deeper spiritual awareness. Many times a spiritual practice will be be performed to calm and center an individual, and often this is done in groups. Spiritual practices can enhance your spiritual development. Some examples of spiritual practices are prayer, meditation, chanting, journaling, yoga, tai chi. This summer, for our summer services, we are introducing another form of spiritual practice. The practice of examining and assembling your personal, unique 
collection of sacred inspiration. The Reverend Bruce Southward, he coined the term loose leaf Bible for this practice. And it is a collection with the idea that it is a dynamic process with additions and deletions possible. So this collection is a deliberate analysis and consolidation of the writings, quotes, music, and art that you turn to time and again for comfort, inspiration, and reflection. The process of assembling this collection, the process, is the spiritual practice with the goal of nurturing your spirit. Over the course of the summer, we will speak about different sections that are sometimes included in these collections, myth, proverbs, quotes, prayers, music, art. Some of you may know that Unitarians usually claim Thomas Jefferson as a Unitarian in thought and as a significant person in our history, even though he was never a member of a Unitarian church. He had many uh, Unitarian friends, and he regularly attended Joseph Priestley's Pennsylvania church when he had the opportunity. Jefferson said that Priestley's theologies was his own. Jefferson also wrote, I must therefore be contented to be a Unitarian by myself, although I know there are many around me who would become so if once they could hear the questions fairly stated. I mention Jefferson this because of this interesting little book that he wrote that I have called The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth. And it's more commonly known as the Jefferson Bible, and he never liked that name. My copy was published by the Beacon Press, a Unitarian Universalist publishing house. And it has a foreword by Frank Forrester Church, a famous modern-age Unitarian Universalist minister who died about five years ago. This is the ultimate loose-leaf Bible selection. This book was put together by Thomas Jefferson by taking a Bible and cutting out sections with a knife and gluing them together into a new book. The sections that were of interest to him were from the New Testament. He focused on the exact words of Jesus and deliberately left out all miracles, supernatural events, including the resurrection. Jefferson wrote about his task. I have performed this operation for my own use by cutting verse by verse out of the printed book and arranging the matter which is evidently his, meaning Jesus's, and which is as easily distinguishable as diamonds in a dunghill. The result is an octavio of 46 pages of pure and unsophisticated doctrines, end quote. 
I have given you two examples of loose-leaf Bible exercises. One is the cultural accretion that is mostly unexamined, and the other is deliberate and well thought out. This is not to say that Superman might not be a valuable addition, but it is interesting the power of an idea, especially if you are unaware of its contribution to your spiritual viewpoint. The term heresy is from the Greek. Originally, it meant the, it meant the word choice or thing chosen. But it came to mean the party or school of a man's choice and also referred to that process whereby a young person would examine various philosophies to determine how to live. So heresy has come to mean a belief or theory that is strongly at variance with established beliefs or customs. You remember the quote from the beginning of my talk, the one by Ralph Waldo Emerson, another Unitarian. Nothing is at last sacred but the integrity of your own mind. The examination of those ideas that contribute to our religious outlook and form the basis of our personal theology is a spiritual practice. The integrity is in those conclusions, the soundness and completeness of them. There is sacredness in the process. Heresy is in the choosing. So this summer, we will use our mind to engage in a sacred exercise to examine our religious viewpoints, committing heresy altogether in the process. I hope you will join us. Blessed be.